Okay, I guess, I don't know, is this on? I'm so embarrassed. My name is Susie, I'm a compulsive overreader. <laughs> and welcome to the Expectations Marathon meeting. My name is Susie and I'm a compulsive overreader and your leader for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices be turned off. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed by OA members. This meeting is being recorded by Region 2. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Um, and I guess we need a, a volunteer timer. There's supposed to be somebody assigned, but it says if they don't appear, would somebody be willing to time? Thank you. The format for this one-hour session is as follows. I will read an excerpt from a piece of OA literature, share for 25 minutes, I don't think I'll make it that long, followed by three-minute shares from those who wish to share. The topic for this session is expectations. Uh, so first I'll read the reading. We got a good one. This is from the big book, page 449, many people's favorite. And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life, unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my compulsive overeating, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. Very good message for me today. So I get uh, 25 minutes, I guess, and I, I guess I should qualify a little bit first Everybody can hear me okay, I presume? Thank you. <laughs> so my name is Susie. I'm a compulsive overeater. I live in San Diego, but I've only lived there for a little while. Moved there. Thank you. Hi. Uh, I moved there in October. I've been in Overeaters Anonymous for about 24 years, but only currently seven years of abstinence. So that was 17 years of a very, very relapsy history for me. Uh, I actually came into program... I came into program to stick in 1989, but I had come 10 years earlier when I was about 26 or 7 uh, in Philadelphia. And I don't know how I found it, but I had had a life of just being sort of a chubby kid. My father was very, very obese most of my life. And, uh, you know, I, I, it was not thought good the way I looked, and I always felt like. I, I should be thinner, and I wasn't right, and uh, I was a big people-pleasing kind of kid, so uh, my eating was done in secret, mostly, because uh, I didn't want people to know what I was doing, and people would say, you know, what happened to that box of whatnot, and I'm like, I don't know, somebody else. Um, 
as I got older, I sort of got, you know, got to college, used my increasing freedom and pocket money to get more food and eat more food and um, sort of ate myself up to about 165 pounds. And I think that was the, no, I, I guess when I went to OA that first time, it was maybe about 145 pounds. And I used it as a diet club, stayed around for about four months, had a sponsor, didn't do any steps that I can remember, um, lost my 20 pounds and went away. But 10 years later, when I was ready, beaten, just out of other ideas, you know, by then I had gotten married, I had two kids, I'd been up and down the scale many, many more times. The highest weight that I ever hit was during my first pregnancy, I got up to 205. Uh, in the second pregnancy, I only got up to 195 because I had started 10 pounds lower. But, uh, you know, I had tried everything, it seemed to me, behavior modification and joining gyms and exercise and various diet clubs, things like that. And uh, every six months there would be a crisis, and I'd go crying to my husband, oh, I feel so miserable about my weight I need to do, fill in the blank. And he was always very supportive, yes, go ahead, do whatever you need to do. Uh, but I couldn't really engage him in my in my problem. He's not a good codependent, so he like he wouldn't play with me. I had to f- deal with my food situation by myself. But yeah, so when in 1989, when I came into program to stick, that was in Connecticut, and uh, spent the first year kind of floundering around, a little confused. I uh, had a lot of trouble at that time distinguishing what was the program. Was the program the hugs, the meetings, the tools, you know, took took to my third sponsor who had a very strong AA grounding to point out to me that the program of recovery here is the steps. Um, and at that same time that I got that sponsor, I also found a newly formed group there that was very focused on abstinence. Most of the other meetings in my area at that time were kind of bleh. Um, and not very strong. And this group formed with several people who had some abstinence going, not huge amounts of abstinence, just one person with really long-term abstinence. But they were very focused on abstinence, and there was they, they had several meetings a week. They had a beginner meeting, a speaker meeting, a step meeting, a tradition meeting, a meeting that had a format that switched between big book and brown book. And um, in that meeting, I started to learn something about recovery and the steps, and I got a lot more focused. But I was still a big people pleaser, and I continued to relapse. And for a while, I told my sponsor the truth about my relapses, but after a while, it was too embarrassing, and I just lied about it. Lying is kind of my default mode. I, uh, If the news is not good, I, I don't know why I would tell it to you, you know, to this day. I don't like to tell bad news. So I screwed around for a total of 17 years in this program, which is not anything I'm happy about, and I certainly don't recommend to anybody. But that's what it took for me. That is apparently what it took for me. And uh, finally in 2006, when my mother was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer, and I was with her when that happened, uh, I went back to her apartment in Chicago and kind of opened every cabinet and every drawer and ate something out of every one and continued in that mode for a couple of weeks and then went to a meeting uh, where somebody was speaking about having been in relapse and having come back and, and, and I walked out of that meeting and I turned to a friend of mine and I said, I need help. And I got a little outside help. My friend agreed to sponsor me right away. I was 
accepting sponsorship that was way, way less than what I needed, which has been a repeated problem of mine. Uh, I resigned all of my many intergroup service <laughs> positions, which was also something I typically did, and uh, and got really serious, got a new idea about abstinence and being very committed, very precise, very dedicated to being honest, because it had occurred to me by that time that I would never be able to get abstinent until I could learn to be honest. And in 17 years in this program, I had failed to learn to be honest. So I started to learn something about that, and things really changed for me, and I've been abstinent from that time to this. Um, by then, I had moved to Richmond, Virginia, where the program was kind of small and kind of weak, but I still, you know, it was still a lot better than nothing, and I, you know, some many people complained about the meetings, and it didn't matter to me. I needed the face-to-face -face meetings. I just needed it. So I was there, and I got whatever strength I could, and I shared whatever strength I could, and so that's what, uh, where I was until about a year ago, and a year ago, my husband got offered a job in San Diego, and uh, we decided to come. And this is where the expectations part starts to come in. I wasn't really happy when I got the, uh, the topic of expectations because I thought, oh, I don't really have very much to say about that. And then I thought about what this past year has looked like, not to mention what this past week has looked like. And expectations have played a really big part of it. And so it's, it's, it's been useful for me to have to focus on this and think about this. And uh, first of all, when when I moved to Richmond 10 years ago, it was without any expectations of anything good happening. It was because my husband had lost a job and fortunately had found something in Richmond. And to move to Richmond from the New York City area didn't seem like a really good idea at all. And I remember kind of looking around me and saying, what the heck happened to me? How did I get here? But after about a year, things started to get really, really good for me there. I was just very blessed. I met people who were kind to me and helped me and did wonderful things for me. I got a wonderful job. I got so many wonderful things showered on me as I was, you know, continuing to do my program and, and work the steps to the best of my limited ability because I was still slipping and sliding at that point. Um, what that did for me in looking at the possibility of moving to San Diego was I thought, well, if all this wonderfulness could have happened to me, in my 10 years in Richmond, and I had so much fun and such a great time, I guess I have to have faith in God that that could happen to me in San Diego. And I knew enough, because I had done that, to say, okay, but the first year's going to be hard. The first year's going to be hard. So I had that expectation in my head. But the difference between sort of knowing that and actually living through it has been just gut-wrenching for me. I've been in a lot of pain <laughs> this year uh, because of expectations. You know, it's unfortunate. You would think that I would be cured and perfect by now. I am not. I still apparently have expectations, and I still apparently am sometimes blind to them. So I had the expectation, I guess, that I, I would have pain, but that I would be able to tolerate it, and I just haven't been tolerating it very well. Um, I think I should be having more fun. I think that people should be reaching out to me more. I think that uh, I should have figured out how to deal with the weather by now. You'd, 
Somebody coming from, you know, bad eastern weather should think that San Diego is nirvana. I have not been able to figure out the weather at all. Everybody says, layers, layers. The winter for me was very cold. Where I lived, it was very cold. I had to scrape ice off of my windshield more than a few days. I don't think that people here take uh, insulation or heating seriously enough. And so I'm cold in a lot of places. And now the summer has come, and I, I don't live near the water, so it's blazingly, blazingly hot sometimes in places that I go around to. And I just feel like a little kid. I feel confused and baffled a lot of the times just by the weather. So that's... <laughs> um, and beyond that, uh, my husband's family is in San Diego, not because they lived there or grew up there, but they've migrated there over the past few years. And um, I apparently had... And I didn't discover it until about six months in. I had expectations that my sister-in-law would reach out to me and help me and be kind to me. And while she is very kind, um, she hasn't reached out to me or, or really worked to form a friendship. And I understand why on an intellectual level because she has a, she's 50 years old and she has a three-year-old. And she's really, really busy. And I am not her first priority. So th there has been a certain level of clarity that's been coming to me all year that a lot of my head problems and, and you know unhappiness, grouchiness, things like that are because things are not going my way. Things are not going my way particularly. <clears throat> can't find any work to do. Uh, can't seem to deal effectively with the weather. Friends are not throwing themselves upon me. Um, I will say that I, I believe I believe that I am doing best practices in terms of reaching out to other people. I'm I have worked I know what to do and I've worked very hard to do it. So I'm very very involved in in my local meetings in my intergroup. I have service positions. I've joined other things. I put myself out as very much as I can. I ratchet my courage up as often as I can to invite people to do things with me. I don't have a lot of courage in that area. I feel, I feel, I don't know, beleaguered and, and weenie and, and not that great about stuff like that. But when I have courage, I ratchet it up and I put myself out there the very best I can. And I see who's going to be my friends, I think. The friendships are developing, but they're not, they're not there yet. So this has just been very hard for me, and to me this is an expectations problem, although until, fortunately, as I was asked to do this meeting, I didn't really see it in that light. And then just to talk about this week, um, I'm involved, for stupid family reasons, in contesting a will. And this week I had to fly up to Sacramento to be in a mediation of this will with the opposing parties. And I had lots of ideas in my head about how this was going to go. And these were all expectations. And I thought we'd be at a table with the other people on the other side of the table. And I thought that it couldn't possibly last more than one day. And I thought there would be a resolution at the end. And none of those things were true. We never met the other side. Uh, it lasted two days. And no resolution happened. And that was kind of painful. That was a kind of a painful 48 hours that didn't really have to be painful if I didn't have the expectations. So uh, that's kind of where I am today. Um, I'd like to reread the, the reading since a lot of people have come in and since it's, 
you know, the most wonderful reading. Uh, from the big book, page 449, and acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life, unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my compulsive overeating, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. And, and frankly, I, I came into this program as an atheist, and whatever spirituality I have has been developed in this program and through this program, and, and that's my spiritual belief right there, that nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake and everything is exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. And when I get disturbed, you know, that's the answer that I have. That really, however it is, is how it's supposed to be, because that's, that's my higher powers deal. I understand it might be different for other people, but it is the message to me that my job is to figure out how to get there. Figure out how to get to where my higher power already is. And... Uh, the best tool, I'll just point you to my very best favorite tool, uh, which is in Step 11 in the OA 12 and 12. It, I use it for decision-making, not so much for this, but, of course, decision-making falls in with this, is um, when I have a question in my mind about what I'm supposed to do, I pray for God to increase my desire to do the thing if that's his will for me and for him to decrease my desire to do the thing if that's his will for me. And then I wait a while... That's the important part, the really hard part, the patience part. I have to wait a while and uh, look for an answer. And what I believe that does is that gives God the opportunity to go into my head and change it so that it's in line with, with what God wants things to be. And, you know, in the book it implies that this is in good for big important decisions like whether or not to move to San Diego, and it's, that stuff certainly was turned over. But I find it's equally good for, you know, when my head is just running, should I go to the grocery store first or Target? And, you know, if I turn that over quickly and wait a minute, I usually just get some kind of answer, and then I can just presume that the answer came from God because, really, I don't care if I go to Target first or Ralph's. You know, it doesn't matter to me. So that's really enough for me. I knew I wouldn't make it to 25 minutes, but I am eager to hear other people share, and I think I'm supposed to say something about it. Uh, there was something about people are supposed to line up on my left, but now I can't find it. So at any rate, if people would like to share, I think we have timed three-minute shares, and thank you to our timer. Your name? Natalie. Natalie, thank you. I appreciate that, and I'd love to hear what people have to say about expectations. My name is Martha, and I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm really nervous because I've never, ever shared um, at a convention before, and this is my second convention. Um, I think um, when people talk about expectations, um, in our area they talk about uh, expectations are uh, resentments 
waiting to happen or something like that. Um, and I never really understood what that meant. And I'm thinking, okay, what expectations do I have? Um, and this past year, I realized that I have these really, really big expectations of myself and of other people. Um, I've had a difficult year. Um, in three weeks, um, I found out my brother was going to move, and my brother and I are really close. My grandmother was diagnosed with cancer. My uh, father's aunt died. My aunt died. I almost uh, witnessed three women drown, and I lost my job. So that all happened within three weeks, and it was very, very difficult for me. Um, when my aunt died, I felt really, really guilty. I don't want to cry because I cry a lot. I'm going to cry. Um, but uh, when my aunt died, it was really difficult for me because um, I had a lot of guilt because my aunt had um, cancer for about uh, 15 years, and I had promised my mother that I was going to send her money, even if it was just a little bit. Um, she's off in Mexico, so it kind of multiplies and becomes more, but I was going to send her $80 a month. Um, and I forgot. And I did a couple of times, and I felt so horrible because my aunt, by the time that she passed away, um, had uh, Alzheimer's dementia. I don't know exactly what it was. My family's kind of in denial about it. And um, she was very, very frail and very, very weak. And so um, I felt really horrible because I felt like in her time of most need, I had abandoned her. So... Um, I cried um, to my mom, and I asked her to uh, forgive me. So she said that the best thing that you can do is um, is to help someone else in need. So um, my little nephew, who's 10, got expelled from school because he had a lot of stuff going on in his family and was in crisis, and he said some things he shouldn't have said, and the school didn't treat him well. But anyhow, um, so he wasn't doing well in school, and I thought, you know, this is really bad. He's going through a lot, and he's at home you know, with his dad who doesn't really pay attention to him. So I thought, you know what? I lost my job. There's my opportunity to be there for someone. So I will go over to the house every day. I will help him do his work. I will help clean the house. I will feed him. Um, and I had this expectation of how wonderful it was going to be and how much good I was going to do and how I was going to redeem myself. And um, they didn't open the door for me. And I couldn't help my nephew. And um, that's something that I'm learning to let go and to um, give to my higher power. So I really appreciate this topic. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Sorry I came in late. Hi, I'm Felina. I'm a compulsive reader. And uh, compulsive share. <laughs> Um, expectations is uh, one of my favorite uh, things. And uh, I have this expectation that because I am now on the right path, difficulties should be easier for me to handle. And um, I really, really loved what you shared about using step 11 to increase my desire or decrease it if it's not your will. The other thing, uh, one of my very first sponsor actually gave me um, in terms of decision-making, she had given me two marbles, a blue one and a green one. And she said, whenever you're trying to make a decision, you know, put one of them in your hand and kind of decide, you know, if, if it's the blue one, it's God's will. If it's the green one, it's my will. And kind of, you know, I didn't really do that with the marbles, but I do it with a coin. And I do it all the time. I pray. And um, just last night, I was leaving the convention, and um, 
I had an expectation <laughs> that because I had been filled up with so much goodness that I, it was going to continue in the evening. And so I went to, um, I wanted to see my boyfriend, but I didn't want to be the one to want him. Right? I didn't, you know, I wanted to say, I want to see you, but I didn't want to say, can I come and see you? And so I, I did that kind of, and I, I, I went to the parking lot of the grocery store, and I sat there, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I was like, okay, you know, show me your will. Do I go to my house? Do I go to his house? Or do I go to gro the grocery store? And um, in the car, I flipped a coin. And it was, if it's your will, God, give me the strength to get out of myself and to call this man. And I did. And he didn't answer. <laughs> so I went to the grocery store and I wandered the aisles because I was, that's what I do, right? I'm a compulsive overeater and it was cool and it was a nice excuse to go to the grocery store, right? Because it'll be cool. And I thought I'd buy groceries for his house because that's one of our issues is like, he's like, you have all these weird things. Like you don't like grocery shopping. And I'm like, I'm a compulsive overeater, duh. Anyway, so I am. Um, so the point of the story is that uh, I was in the grocery store and I was praying and I was, I was praying and praying and praying and a sponsee called. And I got out of my, my own shtick, and I talked to her for a few minutes. And I didn't, uh, and then I went home, and he texted me much later. He, his ringer had been off. Point wasn't about what he did. The point was that I have this expectation that because now I'm all spiritual, and now I have a program, um, and now that I'm healing, that things are going to always flow easily. And sometimes I'm the one who puts the grit in the gears. You know, I get that. That's my will that's putting the grit in the gears. And I, it's, it's, it's interesting to learn what that process is. I also have learned in these rooms that my desire to be of service and to help others is really, really powerful. And that most of the time, that service is not to my family. Because I can't be unattached to my family. Because I have expectations that they are going to be so excited. I had moved to an island in Greece where some of my family was leaving, living. And just like you shared, they didn't reach out to me. They didn't welcome me. They didn't want to be my BFF. And what I had to learn in that situation was to reach out to those who do want to be my BFF. Because they're out there. And it's okay that it's not my family. And so having that expectation only hurts me and them. Because it's, it's not fair. So if I want to help others, Get, get out of my family. That's my story. Thanks for letting me share. Hello, I'm Samantha, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, and I have no idea what I'm going to say, but um, I love this woman very much, my friend Susie. And, um, you know, I expect you know that you're so dear to me, and um, I'm, I'm here uh, in California to visit her because I haven't seen her since she, she moved. So, um, anyhow expectations um, uh, recently I've been dealing with um, expecting that there are things that I could control that I actually was powerless over um, like mood swings and stuff like that I'm coming up on I've been in program for 30 years uh, very often on a roller coaster you know I'd have period you know, some years of, um, you know, pretty good abstinence and then 
relapses. I did it all in the rooms, um, you know, because I didn't know where else to go. Um, But it's really been helping me to, you know, awareness, acceptance, and then action with a lot of things um, because of a lot of fear it's been hard for me to just be aware and to not fight against things that are just the way they are and I have found in the last really six weeks this new kind of freedom from um, not expecting that I'm going to be able to muscle through certain difficulties and uh, really after all these years, to let myself ask for help, be supported uh, in program. I have a wonderful sponsor right now who, um, because there's some consistency, she's helped me be able to see, and I've been able to see, you know, some things about me that, um, you know, I've just fought my whole life. Um, didn't know I was going to talk about this. When, when I told my mom after I had this sort of revelation after all this time that, um, you know, that I have mood swings. And she said, oh, and she's 91 years old, but she's still pretty sharp. And she said, oh, you're making me so happy because this means you won't have to struggle so much. So, um, I don't know. I think I've become, I turned, I'm a senior citizen. I turned 65 this year. And I. I don't know what my expectations were, but it's sort of been been nice because I think that there's a lot of letting go and a lot of um, acceptance that's been, uh, you know, coming to me. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's really nice to be here. My time's up. Hi, good morning. My name is Carla, and I'm an overeater. And I do have so much expectations on, I put expectations on anything and everybody. And I just, I, I just have to recognize that um, if I wanted to be succeed in this, I have to stop doing that because even like with my sponsor, you know, I. She's a human being. I mean, she's wonderful, but she's a human being. And um, she got a meltdown a couple, like a month ago or three, four weeks, no, like five weeks ago or something. And uh, she was hospitalized for two weeks. And I was, you know, I felt kind of lost. But I knew I got to do something about it. So I reached to someone else in the meanwhile. And she came back. But she's still not, you know, that like sharp. I can tell. And um, <laughs> on Friday, she said, "Oh yeah, like we can we can get together so I can take a look at your ten step, you know, like just to see how are you doing every day." And uh, then she went to the the meeting, and then she was like, "Oh, you know, it's so hot. I think I'm just gonna go home." And then I saw, you know, like building up a resentment, you know, like, "Hey, you're supposed to sponsor me," you know. Like, what if I'm not doing it right? And um, because I sped so much uh, about people, you know, and um, I sped a lot about, I sped a lot about my husband and my family and my sponsors and all those things, even about me, 
you know, like, oh, I'm going to work the program very hard, and I'm going to work the steps from 1 to the 12, and then I'm going to feel fine, and then I'm going to go and do this. I mean, no, like, this is, this is a way of living, and I have to keep reminding me this. You know, I choose to uh, live in recovery, but doesn't mean I'm just going to enjoy all the way. I will have enjoyment, you know, in the journey, but, I mean, life, it's life. And I have to, I, I love the fact that I, I read the, the acceptance is the answer every day because I forgot. I always, um, and the, the main part that I really love is the if I'm criticizing the handiwork of God, it's because I think I'm God. And that hurt me. You know, that hurt my ego because sometimes I think, oh, I'm such a nice overeater, you know, in recovery. And then when I, when I got all these, you know, resentments during the day, it's like, hey, I think I know better than God. I think I'm God. So I drag myself to that fact, you know, like when I, when I want to manipulate I think I'm better. I think I know better than everybody. And, oh, that's painful for my ego, but it's good to um, notice it. And that happened to me many times during the day. So thank you for letting me share. Jennifer, composer of Reader and Bulimic. Hi. Um, expectations is a great topic, and thank you for um, thank you for your share. I, I mean, life is just full of expectations. Um, recently, um, I've been in program for about three years, really struggling for the first two, and found some really nice recovery this last year. But you know, it's a process, and. Um, and I, I, I deal with this disease every day. Um, and part of my journey has been um, I work for corporate America, and um, work has been my life, you know, my go-to, and especially when I, I can't deal with other life, you know, so it's either work or food. Um, so I found myself um, having to step away from this job. And May 1st, I... Um, I got the company to um, agree to me going on a 60% work schedule. And when you're salaried, a 60% work schedule is kind of up to you. And my expectation was May 1st, I was going to just work 24 hours a week. When, of course, you know, at a 100% salaried person, you don't work 40 hours a week, you work 60. So um, I guess this has been... I. What I wanted to say is that I had to change my expectations that my job was going to do that for me and that um, now my goal in having this 60% schedule is um, I'm also in Al-Anon and um, it's about learning boundaries for me because I don't have any 
And so when I say I'm getting paid for 60%, it's up to me to tell my, my clients, my projects, that I'm only available three days a week. You have to figure it out. These are the days I'm available. Because life will take advantage of me if I play the victim. And that's what I know how to play. So um, I'm just really thankful that I could see that my expectations were like the world was going to change for me on May 1st. And really, that's not it at all. It's that I have to change my world, and I have to be an active participant in that change. And it's hard. You know, I'm scared to say no. I'm scared to say I can't do it, you know, because they might hate me or I'm not a good worker. You know, all the self-chatter that goes along with, you know, not being the people pleaser that I never thought I was. (laughs) Funny, but thanks for letting me share. I'm Catherine, compulsive eater, and I'm new back in a way after a cabillion years. Hi, thank you, gone. And so I kind of feel like not I shouldn't be talking because I'm new, but I've been in and out for so long. But anywho, I drove here with like a huge resentment, and I'm so grateful to be back in program because even though I have like a, a strong spiritual life, it's not enough. You know, it's not enough. And to be reminded, it's like I'm, I also have like the Teflon brain someone talked about, I'll forget. And I need to be in meetings and hearing that page 449. Like, I'm like, oh, I can still remember what page it's on. That's good. Um, But expectations, actually, um, I just wanted to talk about it. Maybe, Maybe through talking about it, it will help me. But all of my resentments, Everything, all my hurts are about un- unmet expectations. And I was driving here, and uh, I'm in this job right now that it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it is what it is. But um, I decided I'll, uh, I need more time off. I'm going to go back to Oregon for a couple months. I'll let my friend uh, fill in. She needs the money. And I've had issues with this job from the beginning of just getting, like, a lot of critical notes left for me and no praise and no validation the harder I work. And I'm like, okay, I know this is a mom issue. I know this is triggering some deep stuff. But anyway, um, my friend took over and she was getting all these notes. Great job, Katrini, and you're so awesome. And I'm like, okay, she does the exact same thing I'm doing. I just, I don't know what's going on. And I was building so much resentment. And I realized that I have an expectation that people will behave a certain way. And I had an expectation that growing up that, like, your relatives will be nice to you and your mom will, like, love you. And, like, I still struggle with, but, 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 shouldn't you expect that? Isn't that normal? And I remember once I have this friend um, named Anna, and she's a wonderful person, but I think she might be a little bit on the Asperger spectrum of, like, just... She'll cut you off the minute you start talking about yourself and just keep going on about her cats. And I'd be like, go home, and I'd be like, steam would be coming out of my ears. Like, I can't believe she does that. And one person said to me once, well, that's just how she is. And so it's taken me three years to get to where, like, I like being around Anna. And every time she does that, I just say, that's how she is. I mean, it took three years to let go of expecting Anna to be, you know, in the conversation and care about me. And I just... I know I'm going all over the place. I'm not making sense. But letting go of expectations, even when it seems like a basic, decent thing that, you know, parent love is so hard. It's so hard. But if I have any expectation at all, um, I'm setting myself up for hurt and disappointment. So I guess I need to work on that and pray. And then also 
pray for guidance because just because I'm saying I don't want expectation doesn't mean I'm going to like walk into situations that are unhealthy and abusive. And I need, thank you, God's help in discerning that because there's a balancing act between allowing oneself to be in unhealthy situations and setting back. But that's God's work to help me decide that. So anyway, I'm sorry if I rambled, but I really appreciate the topic. Thank you. My name is Sylvia, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And uh, I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm nervous. But um, it's hard. Well, I always, I find that I always try to control things or expect people to act a certain way, you know, or trying to, like, I am obsessive about one guy, and I check in him on Facebook, and I, <laughs> like, and, like, you know, and I, I heard something, like, if he doesn't want to be with me, that's, you know, it's fine. I have to accept that. I don't, you know. I even bought myself this bracelet that says let go and let God to remind myself, like, every single time that I have to let go. You know, it's better. Uh, it's better for me if I just, I mean, um, let things to my higher power. And, um, but I have to remind myself, you know, like, every hour because um, the obsession is... It's like the food obsession, like obsession with this guy. But he doesn't even want to be with me. I have to accept that, you know. I have to be with people who wants to be with me, and you know. And um, I'm really um, grateful that I'm here. I'm with three other girls from the fellowship, and we're having a very good time here. And it's been a, a nice weekend. And um, I feel this spiritual and this energy in all the meetings here at the um, convention and um, that's all I have to share thank you the podium I don't know Uh, my name is May I'm a compulsive overeater hi um, I'm expectations. I was thinking two things. Um, I had some expectations coming here. I, hard, I thought it wasn't hard for me, but I'm realizing that I'm super disconnected. <laughs> but it is. So to come, I was excited to be here uh, to this conference. It's my first time. So it's like, okay, um, I, I'm in recuperation, but it's like the emotional part is the hard part now. <laughs> Because it's kind of like I'm going back. I thought I was kind of like, okay, I'm a little dense. Um, the body thing is working now, but I'm barely working the steps, so I'm where I started. I just, the weight is more control. The rest is the same fuck up stuff, right? Um, so uh, yesterday, amazing, a lot of emo- it, I think I'm realizing that it's, it takes a lot for me to get emotional, and that sucks because I strive for that. And I'm just realizing how good I'm like a master at 
being kind of like outside of the present moment. And I was expected to be changed. So I, I was very moved yesterday, you know. Maybe in the afternoon I was tired. I think like tra ta being tired is really bad for me. I just disattach. It's like I'm here, but I'm always like hanging out to st step back of myself. And for me, that feeling is very normal. I just mentally recognizing that shit, that's not normal. <laughs> normal people don't feel like that for their whole lives. So I'm dealing with that. I'm being more attached. I'm open to be attached, but it's kind of like I can feel a part of me is like criticizing because I think the experience should be a certain way or getting to my old ways, like, oh, that people are too sentimental. <laughs> but I am sentimental. It's just like I'm, it's, a, it's instinct, man. I just want to, I don't want to engage, and, and I want to work with that. And I'm realizing today it's like, ah, I was so excited, and it's like, mm. This, I think it's like a self-mechanism or something. It just kicks in without me realizing it. So um, I'm open. Um, I, need to, I need to ride my feelings. And then at the same time, I, I'm surprised because I feel like I'm going out. And then I get nervous. And I feel like, shit, I need to go up and talk. And then I feel, again, like present. It's like I'm starting to feel this. And before, at least I never feel anything. So. Um, and I, I do have a lot of expectations of others. It's just like I feel like because they're not terrible, like that my feelings are not worth it. You know, that it needs to be like extreme. It needs to be like life and death stuff for me to, for me to be okay that I feel bad. But I'm dealing with that. Thank you. Hi, I'm Natalie, Compulsive Overeater. Hi, Natalie. Thank you so much for your lead. I really appreciated that. And I'm glad to be here. Um, this has been a really good weekend for me. I, I tried not to have any expectations um, because I usually do, and they don't get met. Um, and then it's like, you know, why, is it, why, why am I feeling this way? And, um, you know, for me, I just need to show up and I and. You know, like I have a little more faith that God will do for me, you know, what I need. And um, where expectations show up um, in my person, like outside of program, which actually program is everywhere, so um, is with my relationship with my husband. And um, I just finished uh, fourth and fifth step. It took me six months to write it. And I've been in and out of program for many, many years. Um, and I've done a few fourth steps, but I've never delved as deeply into um, the resentments that I had about my husband as I did um, this past time. And um, I just, you know, it was like freeing on so, so many levels. And I feel like, you know, how I'm working the steps right now is about getting to the truth and um, being really honest about, um, you know, like my part in it. And how I've abandoned myself, you know, in this relationship. And um, the thing about the expectations is he is who he is. He has a mental illness. And I keep, and I know about it. We know so much more about his mental illness. And I keep expecting him to be different. And it makes, it's, it, it, um, 
the result is suffering. The result of that expectation, you know, is suffering for me and for him. You know, I keep pushing him and pushing him, and then I, resentment builds up, and um, and it doesn't work. And then I want to eat. You know, I just want to eat. I want to eat to take away the pain. And um, I have a little over eight months of abstinence, and that is more precious to me than anything. So, um, you know, like the miracle, the miracles are in the steps. The solutions are in the steps. And on my own, I can't, you know, I can't figure it out. Um, I just kind of swirl around in the crap. And, um, you know, I'm just grateful to be in this place of, okay, God, just... You know, what am I supposed to do? And, um, um, you know, I feel very guided a lot of the time when I can get out of myself. And, um, yeah, that's it. Thanks. Okay, thanks, everybody, for being here. Thanks to everybody who shared. Thanks to Natalie for timing. And why don't we close with the third step prayer?